Well, without further ado, I want to jump into God's Word tonight. If you've got a Bible, look at Romans chapter 4 with us tonight. I would love for you to open up there. We're going to be reading from verses 13 and on in just a few minutes. Um, and tonight we're going to be looking at Romans 4 and Romans 5. Uh, we began this study in Romans a few weeks ago. Uh, not going through verse by verse, chapter by chapter, but we are going to be jumping around um, uh, in the book of Romans uh, during this uh, Wednesday night, during our Wednesday night Bible studies, during this um, new normal uh, of our quarantine um, services. So I hope you can look at your Bibles with me in just a few minutes. Um, but the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at tonight, it outlines uh, the gospel in what perhaps is the most clear way. Um, and the text uh, we, we see, in the text we see the basic um, of the gospel, and it's made very personal and very uh, very practical. Um, so I think in times like these, we need something understandable. Uh, we need something simple. We need something that's easy to follow. And, and we need something that is universal, as in something that can help everybody, that can be accessed by everybody. And thankfully, God's Word as a whole is universal and accessible to everyone. But even more so, the Gospel sends out an invitation to everybody and gives every one of us, equal access to the good news and to the hope that is in Jesus Christ. And tonight we're going to put that on blast and we're going to see this text really um, highlight that truth. Um, but in the midst of a crisis like we're facing or any crisis that you ever will face, um, you know, we've, we face something that has such far-reaching implications, um, but we're in this together right? We're, we're experiencing it together. We're suffering together. We're in this together. And if we're going to get out of it, we're going to have to do it together. We can't leave someone behind. We can't go out on our own and do our own thing. And, and this text really puts us as a part of the whole. Romans, um, throughout the first two chapters, it really brings um, the whole world into focus. How God created the whole world, how the whole world rebelled against God, how the whole world is in sin before God. But Chapter 4 begins to shine the light that the whole world can be redeemed by the same way um, through Jesus Christ. So there's a communal aspect of this. There's, there's a togetherness that we read in this text, and, and it really keeps us from being so individualistic um, and, and so independent. Um, because obviously and ultimately, we're, we, you know, our independence is, is what condemns us, not saves us. Um, and we are saved to be a part of something greater. Um, so uh, it's important to understand that communal bond that we have um, and, and that we find in, in, in Christ and as a part of the church. Um, as God's people, we must come together um, and show the world the best way, the only way to endure and overcome seasons like this. Um, and the scripture makes it pretty clear uh, from cover to cover, the one way to endure, the one way to overcome, the one way to make it through this life, to get to God, to experience his presence and his promises here and now and ultimately forever. The one way, the only way is by faith. When we're facing a situation that is bigger than us, the only way to make it through is by faith in the God who is not just bigger than us, but is bigger than the situation. The only way to get through a situation that is bigger than us is to trust in the God who is bigger than it. Now, now I'm not saying we just pretend that it's not real. And I'm not saying that we somehow will our ideal you know, reality into existence. That's not by faith. That's by force 
and that's by denial. Uh, That's not trusting God's way. That's just thrusting our own way into reality. No, when I say by faith, I'm not saying that we pretend like what we're facing isn't real. I mean, and the Bible teaches, more importantly, that we just face whatever is in front of us with the promise that God is just as real. Yes, the problems are real. Yes, the difficulty is real. Yes, the challenge is real. But guess what? God is real too. And this problem doesn't make God any less real or doesn't make him any less present. In fact, it brings him even more to the front and center. And by faith we can stay centered and focused on Him. Now, whether He removes it or uses it, we trust Him. Now, this is difficult, right? Because some of us and some strings of Christianity even promote that, you know, by faith means God's going to remove it. Well, that may not be His will. But whether He removes it or whether He, whether he uses it, we're going to trust Him. Now, God may remove it, but he may also redeem it, as in exchange it or cash it in for a greater purpose, right? We've exchanged goods before, right? You got something you didn't really want. You took it to the store and you exchanged it for something different. Now, this thing that's come on our world right now, God can remove it and he could and he might remove it. But if he doesn't, he may choose to redeem it, as in he takes it, he exchanges it for something greater. Now, by faith says, okay, God, whatever you decide to do is okay with me. By faith is hard, isn't it? By faith takes it out of our hands and puts it into God's hands. By faith, we say, God, you know what you're doing. But, but guess what? It's in his hands no matter what, right? Whether he takes it or whether he replaces it. There's part of us, though. There's a part of us that wants to think, we can fix this. Or we can influence this. There's part of our flesh that wants to always think that we can take control and we can change things or, or, or somehow force things to be different and, and, and even maybe trick God into doing whatever we want Him to do. And if we can't fix it specifically, we think we can fix it or influence peripherally. If we think it's in other people's hands, we just have to vote this way, right? Or we just have to spend this way or support that way. We'll just make a difference in some way I'll be obedient in this area and then God will be obedient to me in this other area right we do that see we gravitate towards a path that says if I do this then I might can get that you might can influence this or impact this now this by faith way that I'm going to talk about may seem to you may seem to many as if it's some sort of fatalistic approach or as if it supposes that everything is predetermined by God that's not the case but it's what's important to always remember is that God is sovereign that God is sovereign. May we never psych ourselves out from this place or out of this place. God is sovereign. We don't know the details of how everything works, how free will and divine choice shake hands or work together. God's mind is so much more infinitely greater than ours. You know, we don't understand how God operates and how God sees and allows us to have a choice here, but ultimately He has a will that's greater. We don't know how that works. We can't comprehend the levels His mind goes to in process processes that life comes together but here's what I know we are called to respond to everything that comes our way in life by faith we know we're not in control 
that's ultimately one thing that we can all agree on, whether you have this understanding of, of will, free will, or God's sovereignty, whichever way you see things or wherever you fall, we can agree that we are called to respond to everything by faith, by faith that God is in control. Whether he willed it or not, he ultimately allowed it, right? Think about Job. Job didn't know what was going on in the book of Job. Job didn't know what was happening in Job chapter 1. Job just realized, wow, I had it, I lost it. I'm going to attribute this to God because I don't know how else to understand the world. I choose to rely on God even in the bad, even in the disaster, because I would rather God be in charge of everything than just give Him authority over some things. Because I'm going to trust God even though He took everything from me it's in his hands to do whatever he wants to me. I'd rather be in his hands naked and empty than apart from his hands full. Job says, naked I came into this world, naked I will leave. The Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be his name. Now Job didn't know it was the enemy who came before God and said, hey, what about this? What about that? He didn't know it was the enemy that started that conversation but he chose to believe it was God who would end the conversation. It was God who was in control of his destination. Whether God willed it or not, he ultimately allowed it. Because, and here's why he allowed it, because of some good that can come from it. You know why God didn't stop creation in Genesis 3 when we sinned against him, when Adam and Eve sinned against him? Because God saw into the future. And rather than ending their lives he kept his promise to them he kept his promise to them and rather than ending their lives his holiness would not let him give up on his creation yes it was their fault but he took responsibility over them didn't he right that he didn't know it to them but he loved them and love sometimes makes you do some crazy questionable things doesn't it and where did you get that from? From God, who looked at Adam and Eve, he looked at their mess, and he said, you know what? I could start over, but I love them too much. He chose to continue because of the good he could see that would come from it. Their redemption, our redemption. So yes, God could have stopped it, maybe. Whether he willed it or not, we don't know. But God allowed it, and God ultimately will use it for some good that will come from it, and only God can work good from bad. So we've got to go to him and say, okay, God, this is all on you. And God loves to hear us. He loves to hear you go to him and say, God, this is all on you. Now, listen, not because it strokes his ego, but because it deflates our ego. And it, and it humbles that part of us that wants to be in control. That part of us that wants to say, it's all on me. God says, no, 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 it's not. But when you say to him, hey, it's all on you, God says, thank you, because we've surrendered our ego. We've surrendered our will. It humbles our rebellious spirit and bends us toward the God who takes pleasure in taking care of us. What was Adam and Eve's sin? They didn't trust him. They took from the tree because they thought that God was trying to hold something back from them. God wants to take care of us, just like he wanted to take care of them. He takes pleasure in taking care of us, but sin keeps us from resting in him. We have to go to him and choose to trust in him and his plans, to assume he has a plan for our world and allow him to assume command over our plans. There's a part of us that wants to know what we can do, but in reality, it's going to be up to what God does. Yes, we may have some agency in this, but it's up to God to make a difference. Does that mean we shouldn't vote? 
Does that mean we shouldn't voice our opinion? Does that mean we shouldn't take care of ourselves or we shouldn't do this or we shouldn't do that? We shouldn't contribute. We shouldn't give. You know, we can go all sorts of directions with this when we talk about God's sovereignty. If it's all according to what God does, should we do anything? Now, now listen, that's not what I'm saying. But it means that we should filter everything we do through faith. And what God is going to do. That we go to Him and say, God, okay, here's what your plans are. So here's how I'm going to respond to your plans. By faith says, this is how I feel God wants me to take a stand. Or God wants me to do. So I'm going to defer to His choice. I'm going to try to do the best I can in light of His ultimate decision. By faith says, God, I'm going to support or refrain. I'm going to give. I'm going to go. I'm going to stay. Because I know that you're in this. I know that your will is this. And even if my support or my gift amounts to nothing, even if my isolation amounts to nothing, I'm going to contribute to this because I'm trusting in your plan. And I'm going to get out of your way and let you be God. And I'm going to continue to serve you the best I can, the best I know how to. See, in our flesh, sometimes we will line up with God. Sometimes we'll actually agree with God, but sometimes we won't. See, sometimes we agree with Him, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we'll be on His side, sometimes we aren't on His side. But by faith, it's not about our side, it's about His side. So even if we weren't on the right side, by faith, we can rest that His side is ultimately the only way to go anyways. So whether we did something that could have made a difference or not, it's ultimately God that makes the difference. So that weight is not on our shoulders. It's in God's hands. See, if making it through life was on our shoulders, if it was up to a work we could do, sometimes we'd make it and sometimes we wouldn't. And we'd really cheer and shine the light when we did, but we'd work hard to hide and embellish for what we didn't, right? We love to bring attention to when we do something that it, it seems righteous or seems good or seems successful, but we like to hide and cover up the things that we don't really do so well in, don't we? See how it works when we try to justify ourselves by works. We all choose a particular platform we're strong in or a place we succeed in and shine the light on it. And we just hope the areas that we struggle in don't get noticed as much. That's how politics work. And that's how justifying ourselves to God works. And that's how trying to work our way through this life takes us. Don't you know this is why we're so insecure? Because for all that we excel in, we also struggle in a lot of areas, don't we? And we work so hard to promote our strengths, if only to cover up our weaknesses. Yes, we can make a difference in this area, but there's a lot of areas that we can't make much of a difference in, but we try to cover those up with the things that we do well. And hear this encouraging word. I'm not trying to knock anybody down from doing well, but I am trying to say this is why it's by faith so that everyone can get to God with the same opportunity and that your failures don't disqualify you, right? Because we all have failures, even if we do have some strength. We all have failures. We've all fallen short. And that's why God says the only way we're going to make it through life is by faith. The only way to get to Him is by faith so that everyone has an equal opportunity and cannot be disqualified by their works. See, it's, the one, it's one thing to have convictions and stand for this or oppose that, but when we see our choices reflecting our godliness or our righteousness or our worth, that's when God frowns, right? Because none of us are justified by what we do. None of us will make it through this life and its challenges because of good decisions we've made. The only way to make it through, the only way to overcome, the only way to feel confident and secure in where we're at and where we're going is when we live and walk by faith. 
And good for you if you're right about something. Good for you or good for them if they made the right decision or did the right thing. Good for anyone who could have solved that one problem or did solve that problem. But in the, wrong, in the long run, if succeeding in making it and fixing it and overcoming it came down to what we can or should do, we'd all be hopeless because we'd all have an area or two or many that we fail in. See, pride in our flesh wants to take one area and deceive us into thinking we can make it in every area. But come on, we know better. Successful businessmen or businesswomen have areas they, don't, aren't, they aren't as successful in. Successful athletes have areas they aren't as successful in. We all have areas that would disqualify us in as much as we have areas that amplify or maximize or bring attention to ourselves. Our pride in our flesh wants to deceive us into thinking that we are good on our own. But we know better. There is none righteous, no, not one. We are all weak and fragile and prone to sin as the other. And just because we sin differently than each other doesn't mean that one of us is more apt than the other to win the day. We need a Savior. And thankfully, we have a Savior who invites all to come, not on the basis of what we know or what we have done or what we can do or should do, but on the basis of faith in Him and what He has done. For as good as we feel about our strengths and accomplishments, our wisdom and abilities, our failures and shortcomings can leave us devastated and defeated. That is why for Christians it's never about what we can do or cannot do. It's about what God can do and what He is doing. So let's not put too much stock in what we know or what we can do. What we might can do and what they didn't do. Because if we're going to get where God wants us to be in life, as a church, as a society, as a world... We're going to have to walk by faith in his plans. Now walk with me through this passage in Romans chapter 4. Look at verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham nor to his seed through the law or through their works. God's talking about the promise to Abraham that was to all those that believe, to all the Jewish people, to even Christians. The promise that he or that believers are heirs of the world is not by works but through the righteousness of faith now God promised Abraham that he would be a blessing to the world and his lineage could follow suit if they did one thing trust him Abraham isn't just the forefather of the Jewish people he's the forefather of believers of people who have faith in the one true God and the promise to him was that he would inherit a better world he would pave the way to the kingdom of God by faith not by works, not by his own righteousness, but by God's righteousness given to him through faith. Right now, God is making the best case scenario of our fallen and rebellious planet. God is giving us an opportunity to trust him in the midst of its fallenness. God made us, we rejected him. Instead of judging us, he invites us to trust in him and make arrangements for a better place. See, notice here, people of faith know this world is not our final destination. That every decision and circumstance that God allows to come in this world is a pivot, is to pivot us towards and prepare us for a better place, his kingdom, not to lock our heels down on this soil, but to send us forward to a better foundation, to a better kingdom. Hebrews 11 says, 
about Abraham and those that believe like him. These all died in the faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. If for people who speak thus make it clear they're seeking a better homeland, if they had been thinking of that home from which they had gone out or from which they live on this planet, they would have had opportunity to return or to find it. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. See, Abraham believed, hey, God's preparing us for a better place. It didn't make him passive towards the things of this world. He fought for his nephew Lot whenever there were kingdoms of the world trying to enslave him. He stood up for what was right. He did what he needed to do on a daily basis. But ultimately, he knew that God was working all things for something better and bigger and beyond this life and this planet. So he trusted and he knew, hey, I can't make a difference eternally. It's on God. I've got to trust in God. Look at verse 14. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Now here's what Paul is saying. If getting to this better place was a work on our own, a work of our own, Paul tells us we would do any good, we would undo any good with all the wrong we're prone to do. That's why he says if it was by law, it would be void. Because we would for the good that we might do, we would do enough bad to undo whatever chance we would have. Listen, the story of Abraham is riddled with failures. Genesis 15, when he's justified by faith, is followed by Genesis 16, when he commits adultery with his slave, Hagar. Abraham was not a squeaky clean person, not to justify his sins, but to show that his sins did not justify him. His sins did not condemn him, but his faith saved him. The only thing that will save us is not our works. It's not our ingenuity. It's not our ability to do the right thing or avoid the wrong thing. It's by faith in God. We cannot ultimately change our destination or change our futures. It's in God's hands. And we have to walk by faith if we're ever going to ever intersect with his plan and his will. Let alone get there. Verse 16 says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed or all that believe, not only those who are of the law, but to also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So he doesn't just mean the Jews. He means anybody that believes by faith in the Jewish God or in the one true God, in, 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 in the God of the Old and the New Testament, who Jesus made known. Verse 17, And the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead, calls those things which do not exist as though they did or as those they do. Here's what he's saying about what faith can do. The door to relationship with God is wide open by faith. The door to having our lives redeemed and being used for a purpose is wide open by faith. The door to eternal life is wide open by faith. If we surrender control to God, if we trust in God's plan, we have access to God's redemption, to God's eternal plans and destination for us. We can rest amidst crises like we're facing right now because we know God has a plan. God is in control. When things are on fire, when things are falling apart, when things are un un unstable and are shaken, God has a plan. God is in control. If he can call those things which do not exist as though they do, 
then we don't have to worry or wonder what's happening around us, what's happening before us. We are right where we need to be. Abraham paved the way for all of us. He gives hope to those who have no hope. Abraham was a nobody in the seat of a million nobodies. He and his wife were considered failures. They could not have kids. They would never amount to anything. God picked him out of nowhere to make an example for everyone. If we trust in God, our stories are redeemable. Where there was death, God will bring life. Where there was darkness, God will bring light. Where there was failure, God will bring success. Where there was defeat, God will bring victory. Whether they come and can be measured by our standards or not is beside the point. It's how God measures. The sooner we come to a place where we quit expecting this world to satisfy us, its institutions to fulfill us, its vices to please us, the sooner we quit fighting battles over politics and economics and society and culture that we cannot win, the sooner we rest in what God is trying to do and what God is wanting to do in any and every season, the quicker we will arrive at a place of peace. Look at verse 18 who contrary to hope and hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your offspring be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was almost a hundred years old, in, debt, in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. He didn't waver when it all looked like it was going to pieces around him. He was strengthened in faith because he believed, hey, it looks bad, it feels bad, it seems bad, but God is good. And he's going to see us through this. He's got a reason. He's going to bring life out of this. He's going to bring light out of this into this victory and success. And being fully convinced that he was, that what he was promised, he was also able to perform. Being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. That God would do what he said he would do. God will do what he says he will do. What has God said he will do? He will save us. He will prepare us for a better place. He will give us peace. He will give us joy. He will give us uh, what we need in times like this. That does not mean prosperity. That does not mean success as the world measures it. It means what God sees fit, what God says you need, He will always give us. It means that in the midst of our uncertainties, in the midst of our anxieties, God will give us comfort that will delight our souls. The core of this comes down to Abraham believing that God was able to do what He promised. Abraham didn't watch cable news and fuss because of the other side who was causing problems. Abraham didn't watch the stock market crashing and fuss because somebody was causing problems. Abraham didn't argue with his brother or his sister because something they did or didn't do. Abraham chose to trust in God, that God had a plan. And as he kept walking by faith, God kept providing by grace. And though he didn't always have it easy, Abraham knew, hey, I'm headed to where it's going to be easy. But in the meanwhile, I'll go through whatever I've got to go through to show people, to show the world there's a God. God who is able and a God who has a better way. Verse 22, it says, And therefore, 
it was accounted to him, it was credited to him, it was given to him a righteous standard. So whether we win or lose, rise or fall, we trust that we're still moving in God's direction and in Him we're not going to be defeated, but we are going to grow and get closer to Him. A lot of people take this scripture and make it about name it and claim it, you know, theology. This is just trust and obey theology. It's God, you're going to use this no matter what. And whether I look good or not, whether I benefit or not, I'm trusting in your plan and I'm unwavering in my commitment to you. Now, in this scenario, God gave Abraham what he wanted, a son. God gave Abraham and his wife a child. But think about this. God's gift to Sarah, God's gift of a son to Sarah, was a picture of his gift of his son to us all. Where there was death, where there was deadness, where there was barrenness, God gave them a child who was the child of promise. And God gave us his son, the son of promise, to show all of us how we can be saved, that we can be saved. And notice Jesus came, suffered under the worst of the world to gain the very best of heaven and include us all in that very best. He endured a cross for the joy before Him. The joy included us. God turned a dead-end situation for good for Abraham. The same can happen for us. This isn't material or prosperity-based. It's spiritually, spiritual-based. It's all about trusting in God's plan. Listen, for some of us, for most of us, for me, I tell you this because this is what God has shown me and taught me. Turn off the cable news. Quit reading social media. Quit comparing yourself to someone else who seems to have it all together, who did this and it worked for them. Unplug from the outlets that wire you this way or another. Read God's Word. Pray God's Word. Apply His truth. Walk by faith. Do the right thing. Stand for the right thing. But no matter what, walk by faith. Trust in Him. And if it all seems to be going in the wrong direction, look to heaven because there's only one direction to go to get there and that's up and God is taking us in that direction it's not up to us it's up to him if we could do something to change our future then Jesus would not have traded his fortune for our failures so we've got to trust in Jesus may we trade our anxieties for the peace that comes with trusting in him it says in verse 23 this was not written for his sake alone but that it was imputed to him, but for also for us, it shall be imputed to us to believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead, who delivered because of our, who was delivered up because of our offenses, was raised because of our justification. So if our salvation is secure in Christ, then we can have peace. If salvation came out of the most devastating thing ever, we can have peace. If a resurrection came after the crucifixion, we can have peace. Romans 5 begins, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord. Because of Jesus, we have peace. We have this peace. Why would we ever lay it back down or chase back after another false hope? Don't turn to a politician. Don't turn to anything of this world. Don't turn to some other outlet that gives you peace or gives you comfort. Trust in Jesus. And so what if it seems to be going in the wrong direction today? Jesus has your destination in His hands. And if you're trusting Him and following Him, what can this world do to you? What can, any, what can harm you? Romans 5.2 says, Through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We have a daily dose of grace from Jesus. 
By faith reminds us that we are saved by grace, not on our own works, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. So let nobody boast. Not based on our wins or our successful moments because we have as many or more losses, don't we? See, if we boast in wins, we also have to own our losses, but those losses do not own us if we're under grace. We're saved from the loss, and we're saved from thinking that we might can win ourselves or gain on our own. Listen, don't let someone tell you because you're a Christian, now it's up to you to go out and prove people that you've arrived as if you've somehow you know, arrived at a place of perfection, a place of know-it-all, make no mistakes. Yes, grace will make you different, but grace never releases us. We're under grace forever. You go back to the doctor every day and they say, hey, I'm not releasing you yet. I'm not releasing you yet. The good, great physician says, I'm not releasing you yet. My grace is not an instant cure. It's a constant treatment. You need this every day. And if you come back to me every day, you're going to get that. And this is a reminder that we must continue by faith. The most dangerous thing for a believer is to assume that once we're in in, we should go out and prove the world that we're better or we're cured or for good. The battle doesn't end, but if we continue to walk by faith, the battle is not ours, it's God's, so we rejoice in Him. Romans 5, 3-5 says, Not only that, we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, who was given to us. So we don't just rejoice when things are going well. We rejoice even when things go other than well, go badly even. The trials that we face, they are not a waste. They create endurance. We may not feel like we need endurance in some areas, but we will need it eventually because this world will wear on us. Endurance ultimately builds our characters as in we become more like Jesus. Becoming the best version of ourselves often requires we face trials requires we endure those trials, requires we remain faithful in those trials. So don't give up. Don't look down or don't get down. But remember, you're standing in grace and you will never drown. You will be sustained and held up and secured and strengthened by God's grace. If you feel weak, remember your weakest state can remind you of God's greatest gift. Verse 6 says, for when we were without strength, when we were at our weakest in due time, at the right time, at an appointed time, Christ died for the ungodly. It's as if when Jesus was on the cross, you were at your worst. To prove to you, to prove to us all, when we're at our weakest, we can be at our strongest with the help of God. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you hear that? While we were still making mistakes, while we were still making a mess, while we were still breaking things, God brought it all together. So we don't have to worry or wonder how God's going to fix the mess in front of us. He's fixed the mess inside of us. He saved us in spite of our sin. If we walk by faith, 
if we remain under grace, no matter the road, no matter the waters, we'll always have faith, we'll always have grace. Verse 9 says, much more than having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath or from anything that's bad through Him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have received this reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God based on what He did for us, not on what we had done, could do, or might do. See, the, the, ultimately the story here, the, the moral of this is, the greatest problem we have or have ever had is our disconnection from God. It's not you know, economics, it's not even our health. It's a separation between us and God. And that was solved for us. That was accomplished for us by Jesus' work alone. Not a work that we have to do. So if our salvation was secured and accomplished by the work of God when we were at our worst, then our perseverance, our ability to overcome, our ability to endure should not be in question. But we best remember that if it's only by faith that we're saved, it's only by faith that we'll endure and make it through this life. We may not change our situation, but we couldn't change our own hearts. What do we think are the chances of us changing this world? So yes, we should do the right thing. We should honor the right, honor one another and love one another and work hard to do the right thing. But ultimately, we defer the difficult and the impossible to the hands of the God who has proven himself able to do the impossible, to bring life to death, to bring resurrection to the grave. Don't step out on your own. For every higher step you might take, the enemy will cause you to stumble and try to discourage you. Continue by faith. Continue in grace. That's something we cannot have apart from Jesus. Any work we do on our own, any work that we attempt to do to rest in or trust in instead of Jesus' work and Jesus' plan, we remove ourselves from God's grace. We remove ourselves from faith and we set ourselves up for failure. Why would we choose any chance of failure when we can choose guaranteed hope and salvation? My hope and desire for us all in this season is to double down on faith. To double down in the grace that we stand, that we are resting in. To rely on God to see us through. To know that He is in control. And whatever we go through, there's a purpose. There's a reason. And God is going to use it. God's going to use us for something amazing. May we trust in the one who is able to do what he's promised. May we rest in him. May we know that even in trouble, God is doing a work in us. And if he's done the most impossible of works within us by saving us, then there's nothing that our God can't do. After all, He's bigger than we could ever imagine. Let me pray for you. Father, forgive us of stepping out on our own, out of your will and our ours. Forgive us for stepping out of grace to our own grit and our own ability to grind it out, stepping out of faith to into our own works. God, only in you and by your plan will we ever get to where we need to be, where we want to be. 
whether it brings successes here or not, whether we arrive at a place we thought we would or not, Lord, we're after your kingdom. We're after your kingdom's gain and your kingdom's growth, our place according to your will. God, thank you that this isn't about what we do, but about what you can do. Thank you for grace that takes the place of our sin and gives us a place within you in power from you. May that grace work in us and change us where we can't change things. May we become more like Jesus who endured the cross for a crown. And Lord, may we not trade you for anything because only through you can we win what matters most. And that's eternal life. Father, we love you. Help us to not walk away from faith, but to walk by faith and trust in what you are up to and what you're going to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.